1: it is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Hockey PDOcast is brought to you by Get Down BP, which brings people together with a goal of getting blood pressure down in a fun and interactive way.
0: Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDOcast with your host, Dmitri Filipovic.
1: Welcome to the Hockey PDOcast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is, uh, is our good, good goaltending buddy, Nick Mercadante. Nick, what's going on, man?
0: Oh, hi, Dmitri. How are you? <laughs> I'm
1: good. That was a very uh, sinister response by you. I felt like it was a... Uh... Uh- devious a bit
0: oh you didn't see the disaster artist did you
1: i did oh oh that's a huge... <laughs> i didn't i didn't pick up on oh have i seen the disaster artist i've seen it once <laughs> already and i'm planning on seeing it again honestly man the room is uh it's, it's near and dear to my heart i think i've watched it at least like 20 times
0: oh that's oh, okay that's beautiful yeah the room i the room has moved for me it used to be like oh this is the worst movie ever created to now i actually enjoy watching it like it's it's an enjoyable watch for me
1: (laughs) have you um have you ever listened to the how did this get made podcast yes yeah so they have uh they have a special episode of that with uh the guy that plays mark greg sistero and it's oh, uh, really, it's pretty freaking hilarious, man. He, uh, cause he actually dishes, this is obviously this happened before he, he wrote his book and disaster artist came out. So if you see the movie, it's sort of, you kind of pick up on that, but it's pretty funny. He, he provides all this like behind the access uh, behind the scenes, um, access for like random Tommy Wiseau things. And it's it, it's pretty comical.
0: That's fantastic. I, oh, not, yeah, I got to check that out. I, I'm, I, I, I like, like cringe comedy and like cringe stuff that that other people are like ah, I can't even watch that. That's just like so bad I can't stand it. And I think I've always liked that. So the room is just the alt. It's the ultimate for for that. If you, if you're into you know watching something where you're like this is making me hurt.
1: <laughs> I honestly like I, I'm I'm not even like that like i when when something's too cringeworthy i have to like pause it sometimes and, and go for like a little walk around the apartment yeah you gotta
0: walk away right <laughs> like
1: when i was watching um have you seen the Inbetweeners? yes i have yeah so like the in was like very borderline for me there'd be like certain scenes and episodes where i'd have to just pause it and go get a glass of water and take a little break just because it was like too much and i'd have to pick it back up but the room like transcended all of that i, I thought it was pure comedic in the most unintentional possible way, genius. So, um, I highly recommend checking that out. And Nick, you know why you're a, you're a regular on the show? Because we just spent a couple minutes talking about the room. And I know that I've had people say that, you know, the hockey PDO cast is so different than other shows because you really just get right down to business right away. But this will not be one of those episodes.
0: (laughs) i apologize uh, look it was either it was either that or uh, we talk about turtlenecks so mm. man, i don't know there's still a lot of time left in the show so that's all i'm saying yes
1: um yeah i haven't i'm stalling a bit because i haven't really done a lot of planning for this show because i know people enjoy when you and i just kind of freewheel and, and back and forth banter and honestly to be you know to give the listeners uh some perspective here i mean you really invited yourself on the show I, uh, which usually doesn't happen. I, I usually do the work, getting the guest, making some notes, preparing everything. And you really, uh, you know, you, you stepped up here. You kind of just called a shot and, and got yourself in the podcast. So we're here talking.
0: That's a, Hey, I, I, I like that. I, I, my, my style, I think even if it was more planned out and we've never really had that, like where we're like, okay, let's, you know, plan out the the four or five things that we're going to talk about and here's how long and all that. Uh, but my style, uh, I wouldn't want to do that anyways because it takes away from just kind of off the top of the head conversation, which I think is fun. If if the two people talking actually know a little bit about what they're talking about and, and can kind of freewheel and talk about it, sometimes when it's like so rigid and so structured, you just kill all of that. And so so that's why I always like coming on.
1: Yes. And you know who else, um, doesn't do a lot of planning, uh, your favorite coach, Alan Vigno, because uh we're about to talk about his line of decisions and have a bit of a powwow about, uh, Pavel Butchnevich. I feel like, uh, as soon as people see that I post this podcast and that you've been on and we were talking about him, I feel like there's like, I know the, I know Rangers Twitter, whenever something happens with him, uh, instantly jumps into my mentions and asks me to, uh, fire Alan Vigneault into the sun and, and, uh, get Butchnevich some more ice time. So I know they're going to be pretty excited that we're talking about this and I feel, uh, I feel pretty passionate about this.
0: Yeah. We're so Rangers fans, it's the, it's the strangest. It's just, I, I, I don't want to say it's the strangest dynamic in, in, in terms of like, you know, teams fans, because there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of, things. I mean, Vancouver fans have a bizarre relationship with their team, and Mm -hmm. I I think there's different things throughout the league, but the the Rangers, I think, are a little bit unique, because think about how many years the team has been, you know, just if you're looking at wins, a good team. Um, A good, if not upper echelon team that's routinely in the playoffs, and, you know, usually goes a couple rounds in the playoffs, too. Right. Um, But at the same time, they are frustratingly I, I tell a lot of fans frustratingly bad mm. and and, it, and it's not just you know fans that are frustrated with Elaine Vigneault's moves it's fans that are frustrated with the performance of individual players and and it, you know stat heads that are, are looking at the the numbers and and digging in and going how are they even doing the things they're doing it's bizarre and and therefore it's frustrating so you know, it's just a, it's just a strange dynamic. I mean, and then you have a subsection of Rangers fans who are like, it, it's like ignorance is bliss fandom, where they're just like, this team's awesome, it's the best, everything Vigneault does is great. And 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 then there's nothing in between. It's just one, it's that extreme or the other extreme, and that's it.
1: I'd say that that first fan you described there is justified in the, like, you listen, there's a lot of fan bases that would. Do anything to have their team have this type of run the rangers have been on where you're constantly making the playoffs and winning a round or two as you mentioned but you have to factor in the fact that throughout this run they've had one of the all-time greats at the most important position in the game Mm -hmm. and it's very hard to make the argument that they've optimized that and Mm -hmm. you know when he's gone um and I, but by that, I mean, stops playing for the Rangers, not dead. Um, <laughs> uh, he, uh, you know, you're going to really look back at this because there is going to be a bit of a down period, I'm sure. And you're going to sort of, if you didn't, weren't appreciating this run they were on and what was meant to the franchise, you will when that happens. So it's tough. I mean, just looking at it from the outside, I definitely feel like they've squandered some really, um, you know, potentially promising years here. And yep. You, the thing I will say is, you know, I'm sure there are the crazies out there, but I feel like this Butchnevich thing unites Rangers fans quite a bit. Like, generally speaking, Twitter's a very divisive place and you're always, you know, if you, if you have a big enough following or you have a tweet that gets retweeted enough, there's gonna be random stragglers to jump in into your timeline and say outrageous stuff and you're, you're gonna be like, is this an actual person or is this a bot? Like, how can someone have this opinion? But with this Buchnevich stuff, like every time I tweet about it, it's just, one hundred percent uniform opinion. It's like, yes, we agree. Please play him more. Like I haven't had a single Rangers yeah. fan jump into my mentions and argue otherwise, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, there. I I think last year there there were people, and I don't th- I don't think it was totally unreasonable. There were people that were saying, ah, he's too young, he needs time. You know, don't throw him into the fire. Blah blah blah. I certainly was not one of those people. I was like, let's get him out there with other players that can contribute offensively, because he's got skill, mm-hmm. and his skill will shine through, and he'll catch up to the speed or whatever the the silly argument was, that, you know, from him coming from the KHL. But but I say at the very least, if you don't want to give him a kind of a starring top six role, give him time on the third line with maybe a Kevin Hayes or somebody like that that that, that can get him the puck. And, and then give him power play time. And those things just didn't really happen. So he had to make his own offense a lot when he did get his chances, and he was in and out of the lineup. He was in and out on different, it was like musical chairs as far as, as, as the teammates he's with. And everybody everybody with half a brain and everybody with half an eye on hockey knows at this point, or, or has to know, that the teammates you play with, that matters a lot. And And, you know, I think furthermore, you know, getting some semblance of consistency, where you know where you're going to be in the lineup and you know who you're going to play with, uh, you get the whole, you know, that 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 word nobody likes to say, but that we all know is part of the game, which is chemistry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and none of that happened for him last year. So this year it was like he was coming in totally fresh again, and he came in on fire every time he every time you put him on the ice, he does something dynamic. Yet. He wasn't getting the ice time and he was being either healthy scratched. Uh, or, or buried on the fourth line and getting eight minutes and and you know not seeing the ice in in situations where you'd think you would want an offensive um, you, you know a dynamic offensive player to be out there it, and that's just kind of continued in ebbs and flows all year it's like so he'll get the ice time you know on the first line for maybe a game or two and he kind of gets hot and then Vigneault talks about him in the press and how, how great he's doing and everything else and then all of a sudden two or three games later he's buried again or he's wore, as of recently, he's just flat out scratched. So it all just it all comes back to that. I, I, I truly believe this, and I've said it before on your podcast. I've said it every place else. Elaine Vigneault makes the most bizarre, random personnel decisions of any coach I think I've ever seen. Um, at least in the current crop of co- regu- coaching regulars in the NHL, he, he, he just doesn't, he doesn't stick to his guns with anything that makes sense. He sticks to his guns with like Dan Girardi and now Nick Holden. Those are the guys he sticks to his guns and he, and he, they go out there no matter what. Yeah. I would, say, stuff, I, it's I, just,
1: uh, I would add, um, he makes the the most inexplicable decisions for a coach that has actually shown that he's not an idiot. Right, Right. because we have we've had coaches who make who do ridiculous things in their lineups, but then you have no reason to believe that you know there's a method to the madness. For him, it's like he he's shown over the years in Vancouver and in New York that he's at least like an average coach, even if you you know really don't like him. But then he does stuff like this, and it's just like it's it's head scratching. And with the Butchnevich thing, I mean. He's eleventh in uh in five on five Ice time per game for Rangers forwards, so he's basically being used as a fourth liner. And that's, right. that's between like just ahead of him is David DeRene and behind him is Boon which is you know tells you everything you need to know. And the weird thing mm-hmm. for me is like when you watch Buchnevich play, like Especially on the power play, there's such magic between him and Mika Zabinajad and it makes sense based on what mm-hmm. you're talking about with the chemistry, especially in terms of the skill sets meshing, where Bachnevich is a natural playmaker and Zabinajad's shot is very, very impressive. And I'm I'm just surprised that they're not just riding that combination as their top two guys all the time. I mean, I'm looking at their numbers together this year five on five and they've been very good. They're like a nearly fifty-five percent uh shot share team with those two guys on the ice and regardless of their usage or if they're getting sheltered, like that's very good and that's something the Rangers could use more of.
0: Right. And and that's something that's rare in recent history for the Rangers is to is to take that shot share and really control it. The only guy who's been able to do that consistently with any set of teammates has been Zuccarello over the past, you know, call it four years, whatever you want to call it. Um everybody else on the team and this may be a function of their systems, where they have this kind of counter-attacking style um, or rope-a-dope style that relies on Lundquist to make the saves, and then they they kind of get the wingers out high and pop, and pop the wingers out and, and and let them run. Whatever the whatever the case may be, there has been one player on the team that no matter what has been able to kind of control the shot share, and that's been Zuccarello. And now you've got another guy where when you get him on the ice with somebody good, like you pointed out, Zibanejad, suddenly they're, they're getting that good shot share as well. Why not either put the, that, those guys in triplicate out there together, or Put two of the three out there consistently together, um, and and if it's not Bucnevic as one of the one of those two, then put Buchnevich with 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 another guy who's capable of supporting his his offense. Don't bury him, and it, 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 it's just I. I, I
1: yeah, it makes it makes no sense. You're really not I mean, you're you're never doing any young player favors when you bury him a nice time like that and and, and diminish the skill set, but especially for a playmaker, it's like how's he gonna look good if he's passing the puck to guys who don't have any natural yeah. finishing ability, which most fourth liners don't. So it's like and you rarely ever see this where like Zabinajad and Buchnevich together this year have been remarkable and then both guys without each other have completely fallen off the map so it's not like it's it's like you know one guy's doing great regardless and then you put mm-hmm. them together and all of a sudden they take off it's like you have these two guys who aren't really doing much by themselves but you put them together and they're great and it matches the eye test and for whatever reason you they've yeah, spent they as mu- points and they, as, for as, yeah. for some reason as they spent as much time this season apart as they have together which is just mind-blowing to me
0: yeah, go simple. Go simple. They put up points. They yes. put up points. If you don't if you want to ignore everything else, if we want to throw all that we, you know, as far as we've gotten in, in statistical evidence, throw it all out the window, they put up points when they're on the ice together. Why would you not want to preserve that? And 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 to your point, when you've got a young player who's got creativity and can use it at this level, give them a chance to flourish. You know, Alain Mignot, he did this with with Hayes. And now what's happened to Hayes, in my opinion, is Hayes has turned into he used to be a multidimensional, multifaceted offensive player. Now he's become very kind of one dimensional and boorish Mm -hmm. offensively. He's doing a lot of just simple like dump and chase kind of work in the corner type stuff and now, is is if you just look at him, just based on his points for sixty, even strength, or just his, just overall points, he's turning into like a thirty-point a season guy, which is not what he was, um, you know, not not the trajectory that that I think everybody expected him to be on. And and I wonder if that's just a function of that he now is like, okay, well, this is my role, so this is who I'm going to be, this is who I'm asked to be, and this is who I'll be. Um, you know, you kinda of take the the take the wind out of his sails. And yep. and I worry that the same thing's gonna happen with Buchnevich. Um Well,
1: I'd argue you similarly know. you and I when when we're podcasting together, we just put up points.
0: If you want to keep it simple.
1: Mm. <laughs> we're just we're just putting up points right now. Um yeah, the, the thing with Buchnevich and the main takeaway here for me is like it's I don't know if this is a sort of a lazy um thing to say just because he is Russian, but if this results in him going back to the KHL during his prime years, I will be very, very upset. Um,
0: yeah, no, I, I won't be a Rangers fan anymore. Like it was like, I, it was legitimately just, as
1: a hockey fan, not even like, I'm not a Rangers fan as a hockey fan. This guy is such a, such an immense talent. And I, yeah. you know, the NHL is the best league in the world, or at least it's positioned that way. And, and it, it is. And that me kind of means that you're going to have the best players playing at the peak of their powers. And I want to see Butchnevich. Play and do his thing, and uh, if we get deprived of that because Alan Vino doesn't trust him enough to play him more than David DeHarnay, I um, I will take that personally.
0: Yeah, it, I, I like to use the, and, and I've seen it a lot on Twitter. Um, you know, use the the compare and contrast with uh, Kutrov. Mm-hmm. So it, I've seen a, about a million times over comparison of the two players through their uh, based on points for sixty. Uh, even strength through their first, I think it's 60 games or 55 games or whatever it is, whatever the sample is, they are like neck and neck, right? And then, and then through the start of this season, um, Buchnevich basically picked up his his points for 60 almost the same at the same rate that Kucherov started to pick up his. So if you look at those guys as kind of on a comparable um, trajectory, you 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 could be talking about what, small sample size be damned you could be talking about a guy who could end up being at the top of the league in points um and you're he's 11th in ice time at this point in his career whereas in ta- in tampa bay they recognize what kucherov could be early mm-hmm. and they put him with other talented players and now and now look at him
1: yeah so and obviously it's not uh you know I, I I know you yourself. You're kind of that's like the you know optimist uh, Rangers fan in you, and and you wouldn't believe yeah, that you wouldn't expect that trajectory. But I mean, there is a middle ground where he can still be a super useful player, even if he never of takes course. that step of that course. Kucherov just did.
0: Yeah, of course. And in look, Tampa is they're they're basically like the Harlem Globetrotters right now in, in terms right. of offense. So you could almost put him on any line, and there's going to be another guy who can support the offense playing with him. But the 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 point is. It, with the personnel you have, use the weapons you've got, use the creativity that this guy has, and, and make the most of it. Um, there's uh, kind of a proven path for that with Zabana, with Zibana Jad, or potentially with Zucarel, or or find another combination that works. Not just, well, we'll play him a little bit here, we'll run him out on the first line, then we'll skip him for the, the rest of the period, and you know, and we you you won't see him in the third period or overtime. Yeah. Um, the the not seeing him in overtime thing is inexcusable that you wouldn't want a guy like that out on three on three but hey he's but too get risky, Nick he's out too there. risky. But, but you know what Dimitri get Nick Holden out there because he's he's just your bread and butter safe stable defenseman and and he's the guy who's supporting McDonough and making sure that McDonough doesn't screw up he's, so,
1: he's like yeah. the very stale kind of mushy potentially even moldy bread I'd say of the uh, of the Rangers, if you're going to use that analogy, Nick uh, like, like uh, Holden. I mean, wow, bread and butter. It's money.
0: Yeah, well, hey, he's a first pairing defenseman, just like Dan Girardi before him.
1: Um, hey, you you keep Dan Girardi's uh, name out of your mouth. He's been very good in Tampa <laughs> Bay this year. Um, let's talk a bit about. We have you on. It's 20 minutes in. We haven't even talked about goalies yet. And uh, let's talk a bit about Henrik Lundqvist. Who? Yeah has really bounced back to form this season. I mean, my goodness, uh, you know, 924 save percentage this year. Everything <laughs> looks legit. He looks great. Um, yep. What, uh, imagine
0: what would imagine what that would be if he didn't spend the first 10 games of the season just like way, way below uh NHL average performance.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um ever since then, he's been absolutely insanely good and uh I don't know, what have you uh what have you seen from him? Do you think Like, like, what are you chalking up? Are you chalking up last year to just kind of one random down season and injuries or like, how do you, when you see two seasons like this back to back, how do you explain them beyond just uh, a shoulder shrug?
0: Yeah. So, so here's how I see it. I I think that, so he, he's older now and he's not as fast Mm -hmm. and you can visually see it. And I think it took a while. And this, uh, you know, I want to say that this is all me studying him, you know, studying every single game. But I'll be honest, I haven't studied every single game. But I feel like I've watched him enough to to get the gist of of what he started to do. Um, He, I, I think that last year he wasn't ready to make adjustments to his game, and age was age and fatigue and. Uh, let's face it, the guy's been playing for more than a decade in the playoffs every single year, playing you know international hockey, everything else, playing a ton of hockey more than any other goalie um at at his level by by a by a lot and um I think coupled couple with age it just caught up with him last year. he probably got fatigued and and he and he just wasn't ready to make adjustments to his game. He was doing his the same things he always does which is stand on his goal line and rely on his Better than everybody else in the world, reaction time and eyesight to 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 do what he does, and I think he started to get burnt by it. I think that this year he started out the same way, and you could see it and then in october it started it started you know probably five or six games in the season when they were on that run of like they lost their first, whatever it was, I think six of their first seven or seven of their first eight, whatever whatever it was. Right towards the end of that, all of a sudden, um, he started getting really aggressive, like hyper-aggressive, which is not him at all. Hmm. And the it took him a couple games, and then he kind of reined that in. And then all of a sudden, he, he, he started to find a middle ground in terms of his depth Coming out of the net in situations where he'd usually be backed up in uh, onto his crease and, and doing what he always does, and now he's I, I think he's hit a comfort zone with an adjustment to his style, which is to be more of a blocking goaltender, somebody who gets out and doesn't always rely on his reaction speed and eyesight, but sometimes just relies on having good good angles being at a proper depth so that the puck will hit you if you, you know, if by chance you can't react and make that save. Mm. And that change coupled with the fact that, yeah, he's older, but he's still Henrik Lundqvist has gotten him back into form. And I, I would, I would tell anybody who's watching, especially watch him when he's on the penalty kill, um, this year, he has been, much much more aggressive than he used to be. He used to back in further than normal on the penalty kill, so he could get better kind of better eyesight of, of what's going on and and look around the screens and do all that type of stuff. He actually pushes out now, which is something that a lot of goalies like use like um, you know as a comparable um, in terms of conservative play Freddie Anderson is a conservative goalie but when he gets on the penalty kill he pushes out a little bit and tries to you know get behind screens and poke his eyes around him and be a blocking goalie because he knows he's not good enough to stay back and react late right right so so Lundqvist is starting to do that sort of stuff which is an adjustment and and I think it's just old habits die hard for for an, a superstar world-class elite goalie he finally said you know what okay I'm gonna do this stuff and now it's paying off
1: I love those type of stories. I'm such a sucker for them. You know, like the, uh, I imagine if you are one of the truly, you know, just great athletes to get to that point of your career and have a long run in your prime, um, there reaches a certain point where you sort of have to come to terms with the fact that you can't do it physically like you used to. And then some guys just try to keep going on anyways and they don't have the longevity generally. And then you have the great, the, you know, the guys that have that sort of second wind or latter stages of their career that are still, not necessarily as impressive, especially physically, but still get the job done because they make these little adjustments to their game. And I love stories like that. So um, it's it's yeah, it's pretty cool. It,
0: I think it's I think it's so you know uh, you could go to Luongo like Luongo caught a second win for sure, mm-hmm. and Luongo became a blocker. He became much more of a blocker than he was. Luongo always had a style that that lent itself to playing longer. Um, anyways, and in Lundqvist definitely does not. Lundqvist plays a style that nobody else could play in their right mind. Um, He's just that good, and it works for him. So I think, you know, and this is, look, this is all me just seeing it and making conjecture about when he made that decision. I'd love to I would love to get inside of his brain and and pick it and, and see where he actually said, you know what, I'm going to do these things. But I can guarantee you, in 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 an interview, he's never going to say, well, I you know I made these concessions with with who I am and what what I am at this point, so I did this and did that. Um, he doesn't usually talk about his game that way, even though he's open to talking about why a puck went in the net. Um, if you hear an interview with him, he he very rarely will say like, well, I made this specific adjustment. And I think that's, um, his gamesmanship and, you know, that he doesn't want to give away what he knows are his strengths and weaknesses. But I would love to, if if I could ever, it's one of those things, like if I could ever sit at a bar with a guy and, and, and talk about, I'd love to sit at a bar with Henrik Lundqvist and just pick his brain on, on how he makes those decisions and when he made them. Um, because it's very, it's becoming very apparent. And I think, Um, Even a a casual fan will start to pick up on it if you if you really are looking at him now versus him, um, you know, in his prime, let's say.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay. let's take a quick break here, Nick, to hear from a sponsor and we'll pick up the conversation and the other end of things. Anyone can develop high blood pressure. Fact, 7.5 million Canadians live with hypertension every day. The mission of Get Down BP
0: is to bring everyone together with the goal of getting blood pressure down in a fun and interactive way. So join the community at getdownbp.ca to learn more. Because
1: getting blood pressure down has never felt so good. A community-based initiative fueled by one of Canada's leading pharmaceutical research-based companies in collaboration with Hypertension Canada. SeatGeek has been with the PDO cast since the very beginning, which is awesome because they're a legitimately fantastic ticket service that I feel very comfortable speaking on since I actually use them myself all the time whenever I'm leaving my hockey bunker at home to uh, either go watch a game in person or see a concert or whatever else. The only issue is that I've talked about them so much by now on here that I honestly don't know what else there is to say. If you've been listening to the show for any time now, you should know the drill. And if you're somehow still not convinced that you need to be using them, then honestly, what's wrong with you? Uh, You need to get with the times. Make life easier for yourself. It's... You know, if you're one of those few people that's still using scalpers or Craigslist or any of those other websites to get your tickets, think of it this way. You're basically that old school coach that still thinks you need to be truculent and physical to win hockey games. You're using terms like jam unironically to describe your players. You're looking for grit instead of skill. Whereas myself and all the other seat geek users are over here rolling four lines and skating laps around you and using all the extra time and energy that we've freed up in our lives to just laugh and laugh and laugh. So here's the deal. You download the SeatGeek app, you enter the promo code PDO, and you'll get $20 your first ticket purchase. Then you pick an event you want to go to, and in a matter of seconds, SeatGeek's going to find you the best seats at the best prices that are still available, and it presented it for you in a neat color-coded map for you to choose from. And when you pick your tickets and check out, you'll have a clear conscience knowing that what you paid for is exactly what you're going to get because everything's fully guaranteed. So really, there's no reason not to be using them. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code PDO, and you're set now let's get back to the show okay um so enough about the rangers and lundquist um i was uh you know i was looking back at the goalies list we made at the start of the year it was the first couple weeks of the season i believe and we did a a top 10 or so i guess maybe i might have been top 15 i forget but i remember we had a spirited discussion about uh Jonathan John Gibson was I feel like the biggest one and you talked me into having him in my top 10 and I'd wanted to give you a little love here because uh you're looking pretty smart on that call he's been remarkable and him and Ryan Miller have been uh the only reason the ducks are still in position to compete in the wildcard picture in the Western Conference despite the fact that it seems like every single one of their skaters has missed a significant period of time
0: yeah yeah it's you know it, it, I noticed this last year too in Vancouver Ryan Miller um, his game, he's another guy. His game lends itself to longevity. First of all, he's Gumby; like he just doesn't really get hurt. Um, you know, I mean, unless Milan Lucic runs him over. Um, but his, I, I think that his style is one. It's one of those things where if if we were ever going to finally get to a point where you know we have really really good biometric data on what makes a goalie. Um, you know, what lengthens a goalie's career versus what might shorten it in terms of body style and things like that. I think you're going to come out with like Ryan Miller's build is, is, is the perfect for a guy playing, you know, late, late into his thirties and maybe even into his forties. Um, and so so that's why he makes a, a great backup because they're not going to rely on him to play every game. But when he comes in, he's going to give you um, – he's going to be healthy and he's going to be ready to go. And, and so he's been solid. Uh, and then on top of that, Gibson, I think, is starting to find um, – you know what are starting to to head into what his potential prime or peak years could be and um, and he looks very, very, very good. Um, he looks like a top ten NHL goalie and and headed towards maybe even a top five NHL goalie for me. Um, and, and yeah, on a ducks team that is not, <laughs> not really doing him any favors. And, um, you know, I, 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 would pull up the expected save percentage versus actual save percentage and see what the Delta is. I'm sure he's doing fine in that. I'm sure that they're not helping, you know?
1: Yeah, I would, uh, I would guess that as well. I love how I was like, let's talk about John Gibson. And then you just talk about Ryan Miller for a couple of minutes.
0: Well, uh, look, I mean, Ryan Miller is like one of those guys where a lot of people started to dog him when he left Buffalo, and you know, said, "Oh, his career's over" and everything else. No, his career's not over. He's, he's found a niche, and now he's uh, a backup guy, and that's okay. Um, you know, I, 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 I hope that uh, you know, maybe a, some some other goalies that hit their peak years and then they kind of tell off, but they're still healthy. They f- they find that role too. But sometimes these these guys that you know come off a really high peak and can never reattain those heights they just fade away um he's managed to find a, a niche for himself
1: well and especially on other than that um you know ridiculous season he had in 2010 11 uh, the olympic year um he has been sort of or i guess it was the year before that he was um he's sort of just been like a league average guy and that's i understand right. that's yeah. not like a super sexy thing or no one gets very excited saying oh my goalie is league average but there's that's a quality and that's something good especially because you know what you're, what you're gonna get it's very reliable at a very uncertain position and i feel like yep. that sort of makes him very well suited for this role as a backup like obviously it's a bit of an ego uh kick, kick to the ego a little bit you know he, he's he's been the number one starter he's been the guy for so long but at this stage of his career if he's willing to accept it and it looks like he is it seems like he's really well suited for that gig
0: yeah yeah absolutely and in uh, you know i uh, let's let's not forget the, the guys that are above league average, it's actually a smaller group because it's usually elite goalies that are carrying carrying a load of, of minutes that are kind of dictating what league average and above is. Right. So if you've got a league average goalie or maybe a slightly better than league average goalie, which is really kind of where Ryan Miller most of his career has has lived, um, that's a good thing. Yeah, You've probably got a top 15 goalie. Um, so – uh, that, that's that's one of those things where a lot of people sneeze at it and they go, ah, you know. But <laughs> you know, Henrik Lundqvist and you know Carey Price and Corey Crawford and Bobrovsky those guys are rare, and and you, they you're not unless you get lucky and win that lottery um, and grow one through your system. It's pretty hard to pluck one out of free agency or, or pluck one from another team. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think. Uh, I think when you've got a guy who who can hit league average or slightly above um you know that's that's okay that you could you could build a team around that
1: okay well let's talk about um sort of that next crop of guys not even necessarily in terms of age but in terms of um you know their teams this year kind of gave them the car keys and decided to make them the workhorse and we're sort of seeing mixed results there right like I'd say the lightning with, uh, with Andre, Andre Vasilevsky aren't regretting their decision at all. He looks, uh, mighty good for them. Um, but then, you know, you're seeing Matt Murray really struggle, uh, both on the ice with the performance and with injuries, um, in his first sort of spin at this. And I think he'll ultimately be fine, but he's really been, really been underwhelming this year and have been a big reason why the Penguins are struggling as much as they are. And then, you know, you have a guy like Scott Darling, who's obviously older, but also, Hurricanes kind of took a gamble on him, similar to the way um, Edmonton did with Cam Talbot a few years ago, where he was this guy mm-hmm. who was very productive in a smaller sample size on a good team, and they had a desperate need, and they sort of plucked him from that and hoped that it would carry over, and it certainly has not so far, um, mm-hmm. which is frustrating mm-hmm. as someone who has been on the hurricanes bandwagon for a few years now, it seems like. Uh, yeah,
0: I was root yeah, I was rooting for him and, and and hoping the hurricanes would kind of get over the hump, you know, based on on his goaltending. We talked about it, you know, we talked about that that might be the perfect situation for him to thrive if he was going to thrive as a starter. But I, I, I you know I think at the time I said that's a big if. Um, and it, it just hasn't worked out. Um.
1: so I think you and I are both of the mind that unless you have one of those like four or five guys that you listed off a few minutes ago, you're probably better off having a timeshare where it's, you know, even if it's like 50, 30 or whatever in terms of starts. Um But I obviously understand the appeal where it's like, if you see a guy who's really thriving in that 20, 25, even 30 game sample to talk yourself into, maybe he could be that 50 to 60 uh, start guy for us and maintain these results. Do you think yeah. that that is, something that's going to carry over as a trend in the years to come or do you think the thinking behind that is going to change
0: well you know i, I my my hope, my hope still in in it's weird that i've kind of shifted my thinking on this um candidly over the past maybe 2 years um, but my hope is that, that we're going to start treating goalies more like pitchers in baseball, where you give them regular rest. You figure out what that optimum rest is, and you figure out where their peak performance is most likely to, to live, whether it be with consistent starts or whether it be with more rest. Um, You know, depending on whatever data is available, whether it's biometric data or statistical evidence. And then you make your decision on the percentage of starts based based upon that, based upon your staff, so to speak, if we're doing comparable to pitchers. I, 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 you know, I, I, I've kind of come to this point where I, I used to say like, if you've got a workhorse, ride them, you know, and just keep them playing because goalies want rhythm and they want to keep playing. And if you ask any goalie, they're going to say, "I want every game," because if you take me out and I don't play for a while, I'm going to get stale. Mm. I'm not so sure that that's the case anymore um, at the pro- professional level, at least. Um, I think that these guys keep themselves pretty prepared to play all the time. And I'm starting to kind of get a feeling that there is a more of a fatigue. There's more of a risk for fatigue and injury impacting performance negatively than time not playing impacting performance negatively. Right. Um, if that makes any sense. So. You know, is that something that that I or somebody needs to dig into more to prove it out? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just talking and saying it. but um, that's just that's just the sense that I'm getting from what I'm seeing across the league and and so that lends itself to you know, you probably gotta go with like at minimum the the fifty thirty split. And and maybe you're getting to a place where it's just a true timeshare, and you're and you're splitting the goalies equally, and maybe one goalie is playing in chunks, you know, um, you know, five at a time, and and because they get hot, but then you're going to give them a break for a while too, because um, because of the risk of fatigue or whatever it may be.
1: Yeah, I'm sure as uh, I'm sure all the all the goalies and all the athletes in general want to play as much as possible. That's obviously why you have a a coaching staff there to regulate that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's obviously I mean, it's pretty hit or miss. And as you see um, with it's tough to get your hands on one of those guys. And that's why teams keep taking these gambles. And I'm all for it. And, you know, if it's the right calculated risk I like despite the fact that Talbot has struggled this year uh, with injury and performance. I mean, you saw what he could do for a team last year for edmonton mm-hmm. so it's like i i get why it happens but it it can go bad and now all of a sudden if you're carolina it's not even as much like oh man another sort of lost season in terms of not making the playoffs because of our goaltending it's like man we have this guy on contract now for years and what if we just yep. completely miss the boat on this
0: yeah yeah i i, I ho- again i hope that's not the case because he's got you know, he's got a great story of, of you know, where he was to where he got to. And and he's got a good situation. He's got Bales as his coach. who has been his coach before. So he's got the things in place to be successful. Um, you know, you hope that he can find success. I, but I don't know. I mean, that's going to be a rough one for Carolina. If, if he just doesn't find it, what do you do in that circumstance? Do you just eat it and, and say, you know what, we got to find somebody that can timeshare with him? It's not going to be Cam Ward. Cam Ward's not going to give you that timeshare. Um, and they just can't seem to quit Cam Ward. I mean, they've given him, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's true. I mean, look, Darling struggled yet. And so now it's gotten to a point where they are almost in a timeshare. They've given Cam Ward, I think, uh, uh, I'm looking at it right now. So they gave, they've given him almost 850 minutes of the season.
1: I, lo- so, I love how Cam Ward has like four good games in a row. And oh. people are like, he's back, baby, and it's like back to <laughs> what? What are you talking this, about?
0: It's yeah, been like that's, eight that's years. That's Stanley Cup ring is. It's been a long time. Like it, I don't think been, he's back. <laughs> it, I don't think he's been back since whatever. I don't think he was ever there. Was. Second season of his career, which was just a playoff. It all it was was a playoff. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's so I would it say it was a it was a hot stretch. So I wouldn't say he was ever quote unquote there wherever he's back to. <laughs> so
0: it's, it's that's one of the more amazing you know runs of like longevity as a starter i've ever seen i mean there are guys that have are bad backups that have managed to play for years and years as bad backups um but as a starter that's pretty rare and uh yeah uh, hey
1: well i will say i, I know that uh the organization is
0: super nice guy yeah the, organ- the, organ-
1: the organization's comfortable with him and i understand that but obviously you know you would hope that that wouldn't be resulting in as many starts as he's had to have because darlings needed the time off. So yeah. uh, that's concerning moving forward, but hopefully there's still time to iron that out. Um, but, and you, you know, this flies in the face of what we were just talking about, but I will say I, one guy I did want to talk about was if I was a team who needed a goalie and I was planning ahead, um, Philip Grubauer would be someone I would be targeting this summer. And maybe even during the season right now, because you know if the capitals can get some sort of asset for him that'll help them right now it doesn't really make that much sense for them to be carrying both grubauer and holby
0: yeah grubauer's i i've said in the past grubauer's like the perfect high end backup mm. who can you know he's he's like right on the cusp there where he, you know you feel pretty good with him in net, even if it's got to be a, a little bit of a longer stretch he's a he's a guy where i mean maybe he falls into that darling category where it's like Okay, but if we give him the reins, can he do it? Um, the one thing that I think that Grubar has in his favor is, for me at least is from a stylistic standpoint. He very, he plays a very, very steady, um, consistent style. Um, he does the same things over and over and over again to be successful. Um, and he is routinely in position. He's routine it's like he is like if you're looking for somebody for a kid to watch, in, in regard to fundamental goaltending, he would be a perfect example. Um, does he have all the athletic ability that some of these other guys at this level have? No, no, he doesn't, but he makes up for it by being, um, you know, basically technically perfect or technically sound. Um, so, uh, is that the recipe for a good starter? it might be um, uh, I, I, I I don't know one way or another but I know this much you could probably get him for a pretty good contract you know
1: yeah I mean he's so I'm looking and he's started 22 and 23 games the past two years and he's gonna start I mean he's started 14 already this year so maybe he yep. bumped that bumped that up closer to 30 especially as the capitals have plans of uh, playing deep into the postseason hopefully again so yeah I mean it obviously all depends, but like I know that, you know, they're definitely not gonna be able to afford him like he's gotten this summer. Um,
0: yeah, he's gonna get he's gonna get low end starter money, which I think would be a great contract if, if somebody can sign him for that, you know what I mean?
1: So what's what's a good landing spot for him? Let's I know I know I'm kinda of putting you in the spot here, but like is there someone that comes to mind who could really use a guy like that? I mean <sighs> How old is he again? He's he's actually a couple weeks older than me so he's 26. Oh boy. Yeah. Not a
0: spring chicken.
1: No, he's not. But I mean, you know, it's fine. But he's
0: young for he's young for peak years for a goalie. He's yes. heading in he's he's at he's basically in the beginning of his peak years of, uh, as a goalie or at the cusp of Um, Peak years uh, as a goalie, I always point to 27 to 29 from what I've analyzed, but you could go 26 to 29, fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So Grubauer heading into that, you give him a three or four-year contract. Vegas. Vegas.
1: So you are not buying what Malcolm Subban has done this year?
0: Nah. Nope.
1: Yeah, I like Malcolm looked, Subban. He's look good, but it is a small sample. I like sample. Malcolm
0: Subban, but it's a pretty small sample. Yeah. And um, Malcolm Subban's like, if, if, uh, if, okay, this is perfect, actually. He's kind of the opposite of group hour. He's a very erratic wild goalie. He's kind of like um, young John Gibson, mm. where it, Gibson then started to figure out, like, oh, I can't get away with flying out of my net to follow a guy who's coming to the near side post. If I fly out of my net, that guy is going to take the puck you know, behind the net and find a trailing guy in front. That guy's going to tap it in. So Subban probably still hasn't quite learned that yet. Um, will he? Yeah, maybe, but he might not too. There was a while there where, with Gibson where where you know they were kind of afraid to start him because he was erratic like that, um, and he had to figure it out. Um, so yeah i i don't know if i'm not buying suban but i'm not i'm certainly not saying he is for certain my goaltender of the future i would feel a lot better if i had a Grubauer. and there you go that maybe that's a perfect timeshare you get two guys that are on reasonable contracts um and and you're splitting them and when you know maybe when suban is hot you, you ride him and otherwise you're playing Grubauer who's your your steady guy
1: you know what i mean all right how about this hear me out So Yaro Halak is off the books finally this summer. Mm. So that, you know, he's making four and a half this year. You free up some money there. Um, You know, still have Thomas Grice on the books for two more years at 3.33 million per year, which is rough based on how he's looked this year. But Hey Mm -hmm. man, uh, if, well, you were describing Grubauer there earlier where it's like he's the perfect timeshare guy. He's very solid. I was like I was thinking, I was like, Man, that sounds like the way I was describing Thomas Grice for years and then all of a well, sudden I
0: know, I know. And 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 what's kinda scary too is like Grice had that, that like peak year whenever it was at was it two years ago mm-hmm. where he was just like really at the top of the league and Grubauer this year especially is like uh, if if you're talking about putting aside sample size he's at the top of the league yep. in, in terms of his performance so, he has, yeah yeah
1: I don't know maybe you bring in uh, you bring in Grice and, and uh, Grubauer you let them be all German together you give them 40 starts a <laughs> pop it's uh you know what it seems pretty good it seems pretty good in my end
0: <laughs> you let them be all German together I hey, like that analysis hang I
1: think out that's hang true. out with Dennis Seidenberg bring him back do for germ, another year
0: do German stuff <laughs> you know <laughs> okay. They, they get on a team together they start doing all this german stuff and suddenly you've got two goalies that are just you know all german and performing great
1: yeah that's yes okay that's so, the extent of my analysis here i'm this is the reason why i bring board. you in to describe goalie play because otherwise it devolves into that and that's nah, something you hear nah, on tv like so that's not uh, i, I
0: I'm, I'm in i'm on board
1: um but yeah <laughs> no the islanders need to do something they're another team i wanted to talk about here because uh like, obviously, you know, they're very prolific offensively, and their blue line hasn't done them any favors by any means, but, I mean, the yeah. play of Halak and Grice's here has completely fallen off, and they, you know, they're giving up goals at a historic rate, and especially with being John Tavares's free agent season, it's like... Man, if they waste this year and then Tavares walks because they couldn't buy a save and couldn't make the playoffs and couldn't capitalize on this, like that would be a very tough thing to reconcile. So I wonder if they're going to be a team that's going to do something in season, or if they're just going to hope that this turns around. Although it hasn't really shown signs of happening, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and they're and they're wasting Josh Bailey's best years. Mm, it's true. <laughs> I I mean i don't know what's going on there but is josh bailey eclipsed his last year so i know last year he put up like 55 points or something he had, so. a, he
1: had a good year i mean that's all-star josh bailey yeah. to first and foremost but i mean he yeah, is I, also I
0: apologize. it's
1: like the best spot for a, a passer to be in right it's like yeah, playing with john Tavares absolutely. and one of the best net front guys in
0: the league and andrew's
1: lead it's like you're gonna you're stumble gonna out of bed against, into 60 yeah. points
0: yeah, exactly. No, you're right. Um, so, so what do the Islanders do? Uh, yeah, first and foremost, they've got issues on the on on you know on the back end with the defense that they have to address. Um, I I do think that they need maybe just kind of like one of those like makeovers from goaltender through their defensemen if they can do it quickly. If they can, they've they've got some offensive pop. Um, I mean, my biggest disappointment. With them is that they're not moving to Hartford. Uh, I, I really thought that that was going to somehow come to fruition, but
1: finally that Hartford, uh, Hartford Whalers tattoo you have had all these years would have uh, paid off.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and then people are like, "Well, they'll be the Hartford Islanders." They're not. I'm like, "We have a, what island? What island in Connecticut? Stop it!"
1: The Islanders are on pace to give up 300 goals this season, um, which is. A pretty crazy amount, considering right. that uh, they only play eighty-two times.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, they just need to do like one of those. I think full-scale. We're going to make over this defense. We just going to start from scratch. Um, how do you do that? I, you know, I don't know. It, I think it, it starts with mid-season trades uh, and maybe um, taking some some lotto tickets, which is then you're on the repercussion possible repercussion of a John Tavares going. What are we doing here? Yeah. Um, and, and can I be a part of this right now? Um, but I, I, I don't know how else you get you dig out of that. What, what I mean, what do you do? Who of those guys has value where you could turn them into some other defenseman? And, and and how do you give up? I guess you have to give up, start giving up offensive weapons to get the defenseman in, but then you still got contracts on the books for for the defenseman. So.
1: Yeah, that's a tu- um, that's a, that's a tough thing where it's like so the point for going all in this year and trying to do something is like you know with Barzal making nothing still on his ELC and Bailey yep. and Lee uh on very team friendly deals and Tavares for that matter uh, in terms of the cap hit Uh, you know they're paying like thirteen million dollars combined for their top two centers and wingers which is great but then you look and it's like oh well they're paying all their fourth liners like top guys. So, <laughs> right,
0: right. Kind of, yeah, kind so, of cancels and what do you out? do? It's not like you, it's not like a, I mean, th- they're not the Blackhawks where other teams are just going to do them favors to to fix that situation. I feel like the Blackhawks every summer somebody says, "Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do you a favor and we'll help you out with this." Um, the Islanders, I don't think, are going to have that luxury, so they're in a they're in a bizarre spot, and they really might not be able to keep Tavares around if 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 they. I think it, if they're rational about it um they've got to prepare for the worst um and prepare their team for the worst they've they've got a lot of good young talent there yeah i I don't want to say that Tavares is replaceable he's he's not Mm. but um i think you have to prepare for that scenario because that to me seems like almost the most likely scenario because i don't know how they can dig out of what they're in or potentially are going to be in in terms of their cap and their defensemen um, to appease a guy like him who's who wants to win right now.
1: Yeah, and it's also tough because I feel like uh, you know our understanding of how, like where, how to divvy up blame in this in this part of the game is still not where I'm comfortable enough saying like all right, you know if they bring in a better goalie than Yaro Halak uh, or Thomas yeah. Grice, that they're going to fix everything. So, like, right. if I could say that with any comfort, then I'd be like, yeah, of course you make a push now for, I don't know, Robin Leonard or maybe even Craig Anderson if if the Sens are looking to shed salary. Like, you do something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what happens if you bring in another one of those guys and they still... up this many goals because it's actually the play in front of them then it's like well now you just made up you kind of two negatives there
0: yeah we don't know that's that's the whole thing is like with goalies there's a bunch of like like kind of gray mush in the middle where it's like, okay, is this the goalie or is this team effects? And we've, we all have to acknowledge that team effects are, are a big part of it and a big part of goaltender performance. You know, with Henrik Lundqvist that like the team rides and dies with him. I mean, the first, the first month of the season, they lost eight of 10 games and he was awful. Right, And they were losing because he was below league average. Then he started doing Henrik Lundqvist stuff. And then the next month of the season, they won 9 of 11 or whatever the hell it was. And then he got even better, and they started doing performing like the Rangers. They were hot that next month. Then they started performing like the Rangers in front of him, where they just leave him out to dry for 49 shots a game. And they've stayed afloat because of him. So like, yes, with Henrik Lundqvist, we know that the team lives and dies by his performance. But with, you know, for your example, like a a Craig Anderson or or maybe a a Leonard who gets hot or something like that, you know, you're just taking it. You're just that's throwing dice um, at this point
1: yeah all right well that wasn't a very satisfying conclusion we reached you're basically
0: you're basically (laughs) islanders
1: fans you're basically throwing dice at this point (laughs) yeah good hey good luck hey that's a that's you know what the one silver lining is that's going to be the title of today's podcast you're basically throwing dice at this point um all right we got we have like 10 more minutes here is there anything else that we haven't touched on that uh that we should
0: uh turtlenecks Mm. um okay yeah, I'm just saying uh, I don't want to get
1: into turtlenecks right now. We'll do it another
0: there's time. any there's uh, from what I'm seeing. There's some NHL players copying your style.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need to flesh that out. We're gonna need to sit down and yeah. get some copyright issues going on and uh, and figure <laughs> it out. I mean, maybe maybe I'll call you as my uh, as my lawyer to represent me in that case.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, look, I, I, I've written cease and desist letters uh, in my time, not for turtlenecks per se. But, um, you know, I, I think I could craft something for you all right great um all right here's here's what i want to talk about let's do it let's talk about carrie price mm. so carrie price is an all-star which is kind of
1: yeah but james odd. neal is an all-star too that's true that's true you know james neal's had the a fine season but it's obviously it's they sort of they got voted in right
0: yeah wait is march so an all-star
1: no <laughs> Yeah, and Braden Braden Shen got picked over uh, Vlad
0: Tarasenko. Oh God! Oh, I knew about that one. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know about that yeah. one. But and Shen's yeah. having a fine season, uh, the, but it's like, come on, come on. Yeah, you know, Shen Shen's a fine player, but stop the March is so thing. That I mean, at some point, at some point, somebody's going to realize that he's actually just a good player, right? I mean, somebody's going to just. I, I feel like some we need some like everybody collectively needs to just go okay yes he is a good player um because i i still feel like he's flying under the radar and he's up at the top of the league in, in points but
1: yeah i think um, it's gonna have to be like another year of this sort of production and then next year we're gonna people are gonna that, that's buy i mean because he because he yeah. has two things going against them right it's it's the stature it all. but then it's also uh-huh. he was an undrafted free agent yeah. And he's, and he, I guess, third, and third thing, he, as a result of those two, he's bounced around the league.
0: He bounced around. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you, that, that's the, that, that's the big one. It's, it's, the, it's the perfect, perfect storm.
1: Around. And, you know, I will say, like, yeah. listen, I don't think you're, you and I, if we're being truthful, would have expected this. Like, I don't think anyone in their right mind would have expected that he'd be like a legitimate top flight first liner. Um, but similar to the discussion no, we were but... having about Pavel Butchnevich, there's, a middle ground there and you know you can say i'm a fan of this guy's game and i think he should be playing a lot more and should have a legitimate nhl gig in a top six for years to come without taking that next super elite step right so it's like i felt very comfortable saying based on his track record and jonathan marshall was an nhl player which is the whole point but uh teams disagreed apparently
0: yeah all i'll say is this and i won't totally blow up his spot but just a little bit so steve warrior uh with the florida panthers he and i had some conversations around the time that they were uh, uh signing march and so in, in the there's some place on the record where where i said um i don't th- i don't know if he's a first line guy but he's going to produce like a top six and he'll be a 50 plus point guy mm. that's 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 uh so i feel i feel pretty vindicated about that one but but you're right i i I don't think I was, you know, expecting this. Where he's literally carrying the load for his team, but um, I I did say we were going to talk about Kerry Price, um, which is a weird topic for you to pick
1: because I don't know what you want to talk about with him.
0: Um, I mean, all right. So so Carey Price is an All Star. Uh, his performance has gotten a little bit better as of late. But overall, he's had a, a woefully inconsistent season, if not just flat-out bad, um, on a bad, bad team. Yes. Um, on a team that, has, have they given in? Are they starting to at least acknowledge that they have to figure this out for the future and do something? Or are they still in, like, we're, we're going to win? I mean, they're... Here's... Here's, I don't they'll never acknowledge it right yeah it's Montreal
1: no but even even more so than that they're not going to acknowledge it with this current regime because as soon as Mark Bergevin says something like mm. that he's gone right like like when you build a team the way he has yeah. right here you're sort he built of a
0: you're right, he built a team to win you're committed to team yeah. you're committed to this
1: team and it's like you give Carl Alsner whatever 25 million dollars or whatever this summer um you make the Shea Weber trade it's like you're all you're pushing all your chips in and now you you realize yeah. you have like a two and a seven and you, you are not going to win this hand. So what do you do? And it's, it's really tough. Um, so, so he, go for it.
0: So here's my, here's what I wanted to talk about with Carrie price. I, I put it, his performance, I think has been talked about at ad, ad nauseum this season. I don't want to talk about his performance. I want to pose a question. Do we think that in the next season or two, if things stay the way they are in Montreal in terms of their overall performance and you know the team around them and everything else, or if they go into rebuilding mode, either of those scenarios, do we think that Carey Price is going to go the way of Patrick Waugh?
1: In what regard, demand a trade?
0: Demand a trade. Get poor Ho- or, or co- they just say we have to trade him to you know because of the salary or whatever it is.
1: Well, I don't know how likely is it that he would just do a horrible job coaching the Colorado Avalanche. I thought that's what you meant when you were saying is he going to go the router the <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, That'd be that'd be that quite a leap a here. <laughs> that'd be quite a leap.
0: That took me a second. Um, like, oh yeah.
1: I mean, I I listen. I imagine that he is the type of guy that would obviously want to spend the remainder of his prime years. Competing for a cup, or at least being given a chance to do so. Um, but man, yeah. And it's it's it's. Here's the thing. Um, his contract starts next year. Mm-hmm. I know e- eight years, eighty four million. No full, no move clause in every single one of those years. Um, yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I wonder if he was made available this summer and he was willing to waive that no move. Like, what do you do? You think his value is still at its well, that's apex?
0: Why I- well, and so that's and that's why it's so interesting that he got named to the All-Star team. He's still viewed as Carey Price, and everybody's kind of going, uh, eh, it's a slump. He's going to come out of it. You know what I said at the beginning of the season, which is that I think, yes, he is still Carey Price, but his injury stuff makes it very, very scary. And it could get – I think I've said several times now it could get scary as soon as this year, and it kind of has come to fruition. So – what I, I think that it's going to be, his value is going to ebb and flow because everybody's going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So, you know, if let's say he finishes the rest of the season and he looks carry price like, I think his value will be high and they'll be able to, you know, and, and there will be a, there will be a, if, he, if they put him on the market, there will be a team that will say, we have an opportunity to get carry price in our net right now, um, you know, the best or one of the very best goaltenders in the world. And somebody would take that chance. Somebody would maybe, you know, trade off very, very significant assets for it. Now, if he continues to kind of, or if he ends the season on a uh, on a down note in terms of his own personal performance, I don't know. Maybe it takes another season for that to to come about, um, where you put him on the market. And then, yeah, he's got to waive his no trade and, and or no move or, or, or whatever has to happen. But um, uh, he's he's going to end up like another like Lundqvist, where it's one of the best goalies in the world who doesn't win a cup. Mm.
1: Well, that's the I think that's the perfect note to end this podcast on a very somber note for a very somber show. Um, well, there is I mean the reason why I'm actually ending the show here is because it appears there's fireworks going on randomly, um, in Vancouver for some reason. I'm not sure Exciting. what's going on on January 9th or January 10th. Day, Exciting, but uh, yeah so oh and there's a siren in the background too, i hear so it there we go there we go you know you've listened to an episode of the pdo cast while there's a siren going on um you know the show's actually <laughs> the show is actually moving to um the sportsnet radio studio here soon um which is exciting it's going to be sound very professional but unfortunately that means there's going to be no more sirens so enjoy it while you can people
0: <laughs> the big time, going from uh, you know the the true apartment slash house podcasting setup to uh, to studio. He's he's moving up the world. Yeah, that's look if, if if that's gonna buy you more nice turtlenecks, I'm mm. for it yes i think everyone is all for that including myself
1: um all right nick plug uh actually i'm not gonna let you plug some stuff you you always plug some stuff and you never actually follow through on anything you never you're never putting yeah. out new content like what, 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 are you, what are you gonna plug here there's nothing for you to plug follow me on twitter do you really recommend people do that yeah yeah i do too you're pretty fun to follow Thanks, buddy. Is and Mercad? Is it still at?
0: At N Mercad. N M E R C A D. Awesome.
1: Well, buddy, I appreciate you taking the time. I know uh, you're super busy in your personal life these days, and you haven't been tweeting as much as in the past, and you haven't been um, as active on hockey Twitter. But it's good to. Uh, it's always good to chat with you on here.
0: Yeah, it's fun to be on, and, and this this for me it gets the juices flowing. So hopefully, I'll I'll start tweeting again. And like always, maybe I'll start writing. Dare to dream.
1: All right. Well, uh, whenever next time you get bored and you want to uh, talk for an hour, feel free to re-invite yourself on the podcast and we'll go from there. Love it. All right. Chat's in, buddy.
0: The Hockey cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockeypdocast.